Welcome to the IT Smart Guy podcast, a technology podcast aimed at the modern business owner. And here's your host, Tony Edwards. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the IT Smart Guy podcast, the tech-based podcast for the modern business owner. My name's Tony and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the carnage that's been happening at OpenAI over the last week and the cyber attack at the British Library. We're then going to go on to the brain dump and I'm going to talk about some of the cybersecurity mistakes SMEs are making and ways that they can be fixed for little to no extra cost. Then finally, as always, I'll have a tip of the episode. Let's jump straight into the news. Let's look at what's happening in the news. So to start with, we are going to be taking a look at some of the happenings over at OpenAI, which has been plastered all over the news sites over the past week. So last Friday, the 17th of November 2023, Sam Altman was removed as CEO of OpenAI, which is the company behind ChatGPT. And from what the news sites are saying, this was partially down to an internal dispute with colleagues. Rumours were swirling around the boardroom that there were growing concerns regarding the company's technology and this associ- and their sorry, associated risks. And that Sam wasn't showing as much vigilance and attention to these risks. And as such, four of the six-member board decided to dismiss him. Now, there hasn't been much information publicised around the dismissal in terms of reasons why only that he wasn't consistently candid in his communications with the rest of the board. When he was dismissed, Greg Brockman, who also sat on the board as company president, quit in protest to the move. What happened after this decision can only really be described as absolute chaos. Employees were confused. Investors, including Microsoft, who have invested over $13 billion in the company, were alarmed at the decision, and along with other investors, they pressed the remaining board members to reinstate him. Though this pressing did fall on deaf ears. Over last weekend, frantic negotiations took place surrounding the future of the company. OpenAI's board confirmed they stood by their decision and named a second interim CEO within two days. On Friday, when Altman was let go, Mira Marathi was appointed interim chief. But then on Sunday, the role was given to Emmett Shear, who was formerly at Twitch. Confusing, right? Microsoft then made a power play. Satya Nadala announced that he intended to hire not only Altman, but Brockman as well, and that they would lead an advanced AI research team within Microsoft. That happened late Sunday night. By Monday morning, almost all of OpenAI's 800 employees had signed a letter saying they too might quit to join Microsoft unless the startup rehired Altman. At this point, all of the company's board members resigned, all of which led to Altman's return. Uh, OpenAI announced an agreement in principle for Sam Altman to return as CEO. The culmination of the campaign waged by his allies, employees and investors. Brockman also returned to the company. He posted on X, we are so back, along with a selfie in front of a crowd of OpenAI employees who celebrated in the company's office. 
Now, Altman and Brockman rejoin a changed company, starting with the board that ousted them. They now have a fundamentally different board. The company described the reshuffle as a new initial board, suggesting more members may be incoming. Mr. Nadala of Microsoft said that he was encouraged by these changes, calling it a first essential step on a path to a more stable, well-informed and effective governance. So, incoming members to the OpenAI board include Brett Taylor, who was the former co-chief executive of Salesforce, which is an enterprise software company, and he will serve as OpenAI's chairman. He is also the former chairman of Twitter and was in the middle of last year's clashes with Elon Musk, who initially agreed to acquire Twitter and then tried to back out of the deal. Now, Elon Musk was a founder of OpenAI in 2015, but he left the company three years later. Then we have Lawrence Summers, a former Treasury Secretary, Harvard professor and veteran of the Clinton and Obama administrations. He remains a prominent economic voice in Washington, and he's now got a seat on the OpenAI board. Now, the board members that left were Ilya Sutskiva. I hope I pronounced his name right. If I haven't, I apologise. Uh, he was OpenAI's chief scientist and a major player in the removal of Altman. We then got Tasha McCauley, who was an entrepreneur, computer scientist, and a senior management scientist at the Rand Corporation. She has ties to the rationalist and effective uh, altruist movements. And that is a community that is deeply concerned that AI could one day go Skynet and destroy humanity. Next up, there was Helen Toner. She's gone. She was a director of strategy at Georgetown University's Center for Security and Emerging Technologies. She also had links to the rationalist and effective altruist movements and had attracted Mr. Altman's scorn with a paper she had co-written recently. Um, Altman complained that the paper seemed to criticise OpenAI's efforts to keep its technology safe. So there the departing was, there was one person that hung on by the skin of his teeth, and that was Adam D'Angelo, uh, chief executive of Quora, the question and answer site. He was pushed, uh, he was among those, sorry, who pushed Altman out, but over the weekend, he led the talks to bring him back. So, lots and lots change. But what does that necessarily mean for the future of AI? Well, this upheaval has highlighted an industry split between those so-called doomers who say technology is moving too quickly and others who argue it can make life-saving enhancements. More than a thousand tech leaders signed a letter in March Call, uh, calling for a pause in the development of AI's most advanced systems, saying the tools have profound risks to society and humanity. Sam Altman, who did not sign that letter, has urged responsible management of AI, while also promoting the technology, and in recent months pitched ideas to investors and others. So from changes to AI to a cyber attack in a library. So the British Library experienced a cyber attack in October, resulting in a data breach of employee information. The attack was attrib attributed to the Reseda Ransomware Group. They also caused the library's website to be offline for nearly a month. 
The hackers claim to have stolen data, including passport scans, and are auctioning it for 20 Bitcoin, which is just under £600,000. The British Library confirmed the ransomware attack and acknowledged leaked data from internal HR files. However, they assert user data has not been compromised. The National Cyber Security Centre is collaborating with the library to assess the impact of the incident. And the NCSC emphasises the importance of organisations implementing robust defences against ransomware. The Reseda Group, responsible for the attack, announced an auction for the stolen data, including what appears to be HMRC employment contracts and passports. Now, law enforcement advise against paying ransoms because it supports the criminals. But some organisations still choose to do so for a swift return of their data and so they can return back to normal operations. Now, that doesn't always happen, even after paying out. Now, as a public institution, the British Library is unlikely to meet the demands of the hackers. The Darknet leak site indicates a countdown to when the stolen data might be given away or deleted. Now, while this situation does pose a risk of identity fraud for employees, it could have been a much more severe attack if the hackers had accessed more sensitive data sets. The British Library aims to restore service in the coming weeks, but some disruptions may persist. Users are advised to change passwords, especially if they're shared with other accounts. Don't share passwords with other accounts. The library is actively investigating the attack with support from the NCSC, the Metropolitan Police and cyber security experts. That's it for the news. Let's move on to the brain dump. It's time for the brain dump. Okay, in the brain dump this time around, I want to talk about cybersecurity mistakes that SMEs could be making and ways around them that don't, or ways to fix them, that don't involve spending thousands of pounds each and every month. Now, I did this as a keynote talk at a local business expo the day before this episode goes out. So hopefully you'll enjoy this as much as I hope they will. So mistake number one is all around understanding the threat landscape. One of the biggest mistakes a small business is making right now is underestimating the threat landscape. Now this is a bit of a generalization, but the majority of small business owners believe their company is too small to be a target. Now this is a dangerous misconception. Cyber criminals will often see small businesses as easy targets. They know most small businesses will lack resource, knowledge or expertise to defend against attack. It's essential to understand that no business is too small for cyber criminals to target and that as a business owner you need to become proactive when it comes to cyber security as opposed to reactive and that's crucial. Especially because the threat landscape isn't just about what's out there. It's about what's going on inside your business as well. If you've got disgruntled employees, what are they doing with your data? Now to fix this, it could take a lifetime, but you need a very, very basic awareness of cybersecurity. And you can get that from reading news articles, journals relating to cybersecurity. And you'll be amazed at what you can pick up from just doing that. Now, if you don't like reading articles, podcasts like this one are a great way to consume this type of content because you can listen to it 
in the car, when you're walking the dog, in the gym. Mistake number two, employee training. Small businesses will often neglect cybersecurity training for their staff. Owners will assume that they will be naturally cautious online, but that's not the case. The human factor is a significant source of security issues, around 85% in fact. Employees may inadvertently click on malicious links or download infected files. Staff cybersecurity training helps them do things like recognise phishing attempts, understand the importance of strong passwords, and be aware of social engineering tactics that are being used by cyber criminals, amongst many other things. The easiest way to fix this is to implement a staff training programme. Yes, there is a cost associated to this generally, but it's going to be a lot less than you think. And once it's set up, you just need to monitor it or get your IT person, department or outsourced IT to do that for you. Number three, weak passwords. Common security vulnerability within small companies. Many employees will use easily guessable passwords. They will also reuse the same password for several accounts. This can leave your company's sensitive information at risk. People reuse passwords anywhere up to 64% of the time on average. They will also reuse a password up to 14 times. How can you fix this as a business owner? Encourage the use of strong, unique passwords, ideally a minimum of 12 characters in length. Now, pass keys seem to be the future with a lot of companies rolling these out over the past couple of weeks. So that might be something to look at as well. Implement a password manager solution across your estate. These are designed to record all of your passwords so you don't need to remember them. You only have to remember one. And consider implementing multi-factor authentication everywhere. This adds an additional layer of security. But if you do do this, ensure you are using an authenticator app on your phone or some sort of authentic physical authentication method like a YubiKey rather than getting a code via text. Text MFA is a, probably the weakest MFA option and can be circumvented through things like SIM ghosting. Ignoring software updates is number four. Failing to keep software and operating systems up to date is another huge mistake. Cyber criminals will often exploit known vulnerabilities in outdated software to gain access to systems. Small businesses should regularly update their software to patch these known security flaws. And I'm not just talking about operating systems. I'm on about web browsers, your Office 365 apps, even your antivirus programs have updates during the week. At the very least, educate your staff to check for updates weekly. And when your system prompts you to update, don't ignore them for weeks on end. Wait until the end of the day and push them through then. Now, Microsoft will typically push updates out on a Tuesday. So why not get your staff to run an update check on a Wednesday? Or if you have an IT department or outsource company, they could be managing this for you. Number five is all around backup. Now, smaller companies may not have formal data backup and recovery plans. They typically mistakenly assume data loss won't happen to them or, oh, we're with Microsoft. They do it all. They don't. Data loss can occur due to various reasons. 
This isn't necessarily going to be down to cyber attacks. Hardware failure or human error are both common factors as well. To fix this, put a backup solution in place. Work out what data is critical for your business, where it's stored, and back it up. Now, if you run everything over uh, Microsoft 365 or Google Workspace, lots of options available to you. And like employee training, these solutions don't have to break the bank. If you have backups of your data, remember you also need to test these backups to ensure you can successfully restore the data in case of a data loss incident. This is something else that's very, very common. People back stuff up, but don't test it. And when they need that data, because they haven't tested it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Mistake number six is all around security policy. Uh, small businesses will often operate without clear policies and procedures. If there are any policies in place, because it's a small business, they normally live up here in the mind of the business owner. And with no clear or enforceable security policies, employees may not know critical information. Things like how to handle sensitive data or how to use company devices securely, or even how to respond to a security incident. Small businesses should establish formal security policies and processes, and these should cover things like password management, data handling, incident reporting, security around remote working, as well as other security topics. To fix this, draw up some policies, make sure they fit your business operation, and don't forget to communicate these with your teams. Now, if you've never had policies before, there will be a period of education and reinforcement until your people uh, understand that this is now the norm. You can get policy templates from places like the FSB. Um, make sure that you adapt them so they fit your business. There's no point in having a policy if all you've done is slapped your name on it because it's not necessarily going to fit your business. Forgetting about mobile security is number seven. As more employees use mobile devices for work, mobile security has become more increasingly important. This has become even more prevalent since COVID because more of us are doing more on our mobiles business-wise. Small companies often overlook this aspect of cybersecurity. Mobile devices are as big a target as laptop and desktops and should be treated the same. Quickest way to fix this is to install a mobile security app on your device. If you have antivirus on your computers, do they have a mobile version? You can also put in place mobile device management solutions. These will enforce security policies on company and employee-owned devices used for work-related activities. Poor network monitoring is mistake number eight. SMEs, especially the smaller ones, may not have in-house IT to watch over their networks for suspicious activity, resulting in delayed detection of security breaches. So install some network monitoring tools or consider outsourcing monitoring services. This can help your business promptly identify and respond to potential threats. And not having that in place kind of fits into number nine, which is a missing incident response plan. Because in the face of a cybersecurity incident, businesses without a response plan, they'll panic. They start to respond to things ineffectively, meaning it can take longer for the business to recover, if they recover at all. One big cyber attack to a small business could wipe it out. So you have to develop a comprehensive incident response plan, 
one that outlines the steps to take when a security incident occurs. This should include how you communicate, procedures around isolation, and a clear chain of command. Finally, we don't need IT help, is number 10. Cyber threats are continually evolving. New attack techniques emerge on a regular basis. Now, big businesses have teams of people working on this, and they have a hard time keeping up. So how is a small business going to cope? Unfortunately, SMEs believe, again, they're too small to pay for IT services. And I get it. I do. When you start a business, you start with little to no capital. You fake it till you make it. And you do so much of the work yourself on a shoestring budget. But there comes a time in every business when getting expertise in, either outsourced or in-house, becomes a necessity. Now, managed IT services come in different shapes and sizes, but they generally all have a SMB package, which is designed for those smaller budgets. A managed service provider can keep your business safe from cyber attack, as safe as possible, um, as well as save you money at the same time because they're able to optimise your IT, and this is done generally at a lot less than the cost of a full-time IT person. That's the brain dump, literally. It's time for the tip. Our tip of the episode. So, in the brain dump, I covered 10 mistakes you could potentially be making within your business. My tip is to consider those 10, and I want you to score your business using this ABC principle. A. We do this on a regular basis. It's part of our process. B. We sometimes do this, but we're not really sure how effective we are. C, kind of says for crap, we need to do better. Uh, the reason I want you to score your business like this is because it will give you a list of things to consider and implement because we are hurtling towards the start of another new year. 2024 is only five or six weeks away. I want you to start with the C's, work them up to B, then work on the B's and see how many you can get to A. Then review them all again and continue that process. Now, is this going to guarantee your business is completely safe against cyber attack? No, I'm not guaranteeing anything. But it will be safer than those who are doing nothing. That's it. We're at the end of another episode of the IT Smart Guy podcast. Thank you so much for watching or listening. I truly hope you found this episode insightful and I look forward to speaking to you again next time i do have one small favor to ask yep it's that one small favor i ask at the end of every episode if you've enjoyed this even if you haven't please let me know leave a review or a comment on your platform of choice it's the only way that i can get any better and if you haven't already Give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've been Tony, the IT Smart Guy, and I'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the IT Smart Guy podcast. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do consider to like and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice.